now you're just giving us hot deets at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You stayed up till 10 o'clock and had a Diet Cola. What are we going to do? I, don't I mean, know. legitimately, I- Paul, you're out of control, and I think we need to send you to rehab or mm-hmm. some kind of intervention needs to happen. Caffeine after dinner and staying up till 10 whole PMs. I, just, I don't understand I just, at all what's going on anymore. I, you know, I'm in holiday mode. My, my brain just went to partying. I think I'm losing control. I think that <laughs> it's time for me to either shape up or ship out. I don't know what, hmm, yeah. Now I feel like we're it. doing, like, I know I was just about to talk about the Norm Macdonald thing. And now I feel like we're doing a Norm Macdonald bit. And I don't know where we're at anymore with this week's episode, but welcome back to everybody. This is Dance Robot Dance. We are at episode 269. Nice. Nice. Anyway, Tim is in Florida trying to give himself COVID this week mm-hmm. at an amusement park. We have already heard what I think about that numerous times on the podcast. So we'll just skip past my opinion and <laughs> go straight to uh, welcoming Paul back for this week's episode. I'm glad to be back. I am. Just in my apartment, not at a... a, a COVID-infested COVID amusement in, park in Florida? In Florida! Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm, not, I'm also not going to express my opinion on that because... And yet it feels like we already have. Let's move <laughs> on to the news for this week. Sadly, the world lost a comedy great. Norm MacDonald passed away at 61 of cancer this week. He was my weekend update guy in high school. What more can I say about the influence he's had on my comedy than that? Basically, he was also in like a half dozen movies that were all fucking like ridiculous Stoner movies that we all watched in the 90s, like Dirty Work and stuff like that, where like he barely even attempts to act. He just strolls around the set as Norm MacDonald saying shit. He's not even trying. He's just, I would just like, just go look up at the moth story that he told Conan. Just look up Norm MacDonald moth. And it's, it's 10 minutes, and it's terrible, but it's the best fucking joke. Like, he got me, even. Like, I was fucking laughing by the end of it. So, yeah. We lost a fucking giant. So. Yeah. He was just so effortlessly funny as himself. Oh, my God. The best interview. You know what I mean? Like, the best. Yeah. If you saw Norm MacDonald on, like, Letterman or whatever, Kimmel, you're like, oh, I'm fucking watching it. Because you, you have no idea what he's going to say, and you know it's going to be hilarious. So, like. Yeah. Did you see the thing this week? I'll stop interrupting you in a second. Yeah. But did you see the one where there he's at like the Heisman Award trophy presentation for like the year that OJ happened? Oh, no, <laughs> he's talking. He's talking directly to the guy who wins it, right? And he's like, "You're one. You're one of like how many people who won that Heisman trophy? And as a defensive player, like they're never going to be able to take that away from you. Like they can't take that away from you unless you murder your wife and a wait and a waiter. In which case, they'll definitely take it away from you. And it's like five. It's like a week after it happened, right? The entire room goes, and starts to laugh because nobody knows what to do. And I was just like, "Oh my god, that was Norm Macdonald in a nutshell to me. Yeah, the, uh, the worst possible thing you could say at the best possible moment." Yeah, that sounds like go. Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I, I will never forget his note to self bits or... Oh, God, note to self was the best. Note to self. Like, he was also, like, my formative weekend update guy by which yeah. all others were measured. And, yeah. Like, even Tina Fey, like, I measured Tina Fey versus Norm Macdonald. And as much as I love Tina Fey, like, nobody's Norm Macdonald. <laughs> like, just not. Yeah, Tina Fey is an incredibly great scripted comedian with great 
timing in and of itself. It's, it, she and Norm just have different comedy styles. Oh, absolutely. It's just the it's just the weekend update desk. You always kind of compare whoever's yeah. sitting there to your guy, basically. And Norm was like my guy, right? So. Yeah. And then you have the the two clowns who are there now, Mister Scarlett Johansson and the fucking idiot who is making jokes about Simone Biles or whatever. Well, I mean, the, the problem there is that you guys are still watching SNL. Like, that's the big takeaway that I always have from that kind of thing. I My mean, problem with Weekend Update, like, immediately with Weekend Update, is that, like, post-2001, somebody sitting behind a desk giving me the fake news was never going to be as funny as what was happening literally across the street at John Stewart's office. So yeah. I always had a problem with Weekend Update after The Daily Show. But... Sadly, Norm, we are going to miss you. You were just the funniest motherfucker. (laughs) I don't know. So fucking funny. It is sad. Seems like we have to start this goddamn show every week with somebody passing. Like it was just Michael K. Williams, like last week, I think Mm -hmm. we were talking about him. And sucks. It really sucks. sucks. All right, let's get into the the news. And we can do like hard video game news because it's you and I. So that's cool. We're going to talk about the PlayStation showcase first. Um, Sony had a pretty big week, actually, for their fledgling fifth PlayStation. Firmware was released this week, or opens up the system for expansion. So, like, your M.2 SSDs can now be used to upgrade the system's internal storage, which you kind of have to do if you want to put more than two PS5 games on there. It's small space. Either way, because you can't play them off the SSD, or your outside, your external storage. That's where your PlayStation 4 games are supposed to be stored. Either way, V2 of 3D audio and a bunch of other features were launched this week. The big thing was more that there was a huge showcase that they put online that announced a fuck ton of games. So many games and, like, high fucking profile games. And, like, shockingly, they didn't start with Horizon Forbidden West, although, like, Aloy was omnipresent throughout most of the presentation. They didn't actually say anything about that game. Mm -hmm. But they got every fucking thing else in there and i think we'll talk about the details of it later but let's talk about the three probably highest level games that we would be excited about on this podcast Mm -hmm. uh namely we'll start with i mean god of war ragnarok just it just looks so good and you know i've started hooking at finally poking at god of war because you know i'm still you know, Final I know you're anti-Kratos, is... and you're also anti-Kratos, like old Kratos. Uh, old Kratos, oh yeah, okay, I'm anti-old Kratos because, you know, like, press triangle to give orgasm kind of bullshit was really stupid. It was hard to, like, overcome the kind uh, of, like, the early mid-2000s. 2000s. Oh. Yeah, oh. mid-2000s in gaming, my friend. Just, just... yeah. <laughs> Just okay. We just got GTA, you know, like the world was new and fresh back then, and you know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, fucking mini games. Yeah, uh, there's some pretty good memes this week, or like even after that game came out, of him having to have the talk with Atreus, and it being like <laughs> key, like the key commands, like the full circle analog stick with the XX, like that kind of stuff. The stuff, <laughs> the sex mini games that they used yeah. to have in those games. I was like, oh, that's fucking that's, genius. That's genius. But, but either way, yeah. these new ones, like you, so you've now started playing 2018's. God of War 4 or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And so is it as good as I said it was? Yes, it's fucking great. It's great. Of course it is. I'm, it's a Sony first yeah. party game. You're not expecting like dog shit, but uh, yeah, no, it, I, I am excited for Ragnarok. Like that's probably yeah. like the game, the game that is not featuring a spider boy that uh, excites me the most out of all of Sony's offerings. Although there is another game with a very angry man that I'm very excited for also. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Spider-Man first. Yeah. So it looks like we get. Uh, it looks like Spider-Man's 
Spider Maning in tandem is what we're getting for Spider Man. I guess it's the actual official title is not Spider Man Spider Maning in tandem, although that should be the oh, subtitle. Be the I t- think. It should be the subtitle for sure. But I th- I'm assuming this will be called Spider Man Two. We're gonna get fucked by Venom basically at this point. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, the, the trailer opens with like Spider Man and Miles or Peter and Miles, two Spider Men, Spider Man, so many Spider Mans taking on care of business while it sounds like Craven the Hunter is given a little spiel over the top, which we were doing Craven, like we're doing like Craven's last hunt, Miles Morales and Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And we're throwing Venom in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. Give me, give me that fucking game right now. That beats anything they're doing in the comics right now. That beats that this fucking movie that they're talking about where there's going to be nine Spider-Man and like 16 different like bad guys from old movies that I don't care about. I don't care at all. Give me this fucking Spider-Man game. I want this shit. Yeah. Now. I don't know. Um, I haven't listened to the last couple episodes yet, but have you guys talked about that No Way Home trailer? I'm sure you have. Obviously you have. Uh, we have. I've, I mean, I'm really, I'm really mixed on the whole, like we're just throwing everything multiversal at the wall in that Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm like. I fucking hate the old Spider-Man movies. Like, I didn't like the Raimi movies, and I didn't really care for the Amazing movies. So, like, going back to those movies to me is a giant is kind of a negative. Mm -hmm. Not like, uh, like, oh fuck, I'm not going to go see it. Kind of negative, but it is like, uh, oh, I was kind of hoping now we've got like a proper Spider-Man inside a connected universe that we would start moving forward and doing new versions of all these characters. Going back and doing like old Doc Ock and old uh, Green Goblin, not as interesting to me as I would, you know. Yeah, and that, it was kind of my impression as well. It's like, Alfred Molina is a very good, is great. He is a very, he was a great Dr. Octopus, but honestly, Catherine Hahn as Octavia, Olivia Octavius in Spider-Verse, just as good and kind of like more sinister in a way. I don't know. There's something more engaging also for like, especially for 2021. And like, we're we're trying to like expand the Spider-Verse, not in the Sony way, but you know, like, just do different things with the franchise at this point. Yeah. Going backwards just feels kind of weird to me. I mean, like, I'm sure it'll be fun when I'm in the theater and like, oh, look, you know, Duck Hawk and shit. Yay. Yeah. But like, just like in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, oh, it's the same reason why I'm, like, I'm at the point now where like Hugh Jackman, like, I'm done. I don't want to see him with claws anymore. Like, give me somebody new in that role, too. Right. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. kind of over yeah. it like i want i want to move forward into new shit like i don't want to keep going backwards at this point so well i think that one of the problems is the that sony still has its claws in yeah. spider-man and they don't want to let go of that Raimi slash andrew garfield i don't even know who the director was for those two movies um, mark webb was mark the, uh, oh mark webb right right right, right aptly named should be easy to remember but and yet and yet i never do um yeah well, it's those just, movies are pretty forgettable is that the, like that's the problem with those two movies is that they're just like yeah there yeah like they're just there like just yeah and the sam raimi movies had raimi's very visible print on it and so like they, yeah they, they are beloved for a particular reason but like most of that's nostalgia as far as I'm concerned. But, right. Yeah. And it's memes. It's more in that there was like, we all kind of liked the second one because the villain was good. And the third yeah. one was just a meme factory. Cause it was so bad. It was yeah. like, are people forgetting how bad these movies were anyway? I, I think that's like, that's my big takeaway is that I'm like, really the first one's not very good. Like it's mediocre at best. The, the special effects are dodgy in spots. Like the, the script barely fucking holds together, but it's got that Spider-Man kind of energy to it. So you can forgive it. The yeah. second one's a well-made, finely crafted Hollywood 
popcorn movie and it works for that and then the third one is just like the biggest shit show fiasco that i've ever sat through like it makes batman and robin look like a cogent like academy award level kind of piece of art basically <laughs> in comparison like it's so Ouch. fucking terrible yeah, I, like, right. I literally like I watched Malignant this week, and I realized something uh, is that there's a reason why Red Letter Media exists, and it's to tell me not to watch these kinds of movies, mm-hmm. and uh, I should take their advice more often. <laughs> so, yeah, fair. In uh, terms of like these Spider-Man, I don't know. Like, what are you gonna do? Let's just well, put it this way: I'm more hyped for this game than I am for that movie now. Uh, yeah, and I would say that one of the reasons is that you know even with two Spider-Men and two villains, it still feels more contained in all the Raimi movies because it, it just has those few well, characters that they're focusing on. And you're you also going to get a 30 hour game, right? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. You have that 30 hour game to like go into depth with all of these characters. Like there's lots of characters in that Spider-Man game that we like, you don't talk about a lot, but like that have good depth and they like that. It is an extremely well-written Spider-Man story. The first PS4 Spider-Man. Mm, game, so I agree. I I'm looking forward to this quite a bit. And like, like I said, I am looking forward to that because like, I want to see how like Tom Holland and like how the MCU Spider-Man handles what's going on and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just like the throwback. You like, Oh, look at the member berries of Spider-Man. I'm like, I don't need this yet with this Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. do two more movies and then do member berries, Spider-Man horse shit. Like I want Craven and Venom in that Spider-Man movie. You know, what I mean? yeah. not like not not just in the game. Like that yeah. should be what the story should be in the movie as well. Not we're going throwback to Willem Dafoe or whatever. Like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, let's move on from that because Insomniac and I'm just going to make the same fucking joke that everybody else has made this week, who are absolutely living up to their names that they're getting this much shit done this year. They are already at four fucking exclusives for PS5, mm-hmm. right? Miles Morales was their first one. The second one was Ratchet and Clank, uh, which was excellent. Ripped Apart was a fantastic weekend of a game. And now they've got two more. They've got fucking Spider-Man 2, and they are also doing the Wolverine. Yeah. Which they gave us a trailer for, and I have no idea what this game is going to be. But if it's anything like the the 2009-ish Xbox 360 PS3 game, remember that single player? I remember that, yeah. God of War clone, basically, with uh, Wolverine in it. Yep, sign me up. I'll fucking do that with next-gen graphics. If it plays like that, and you get to fucking just mutilate motherfuckers with those claws, what more am I supposed to ask for? Like, what more am I supposed to ask for? I'll give you my $80, Sony. You can have it with a tip. You know? Yeah. Day one. I won't even wait to buy it till it gets cheap. I'll fucking buy that day one and kill people with it. So there you go. I mean, that... Yeah. I, I Even I am, like... I'm I'm gonna play this game. I know Insomniac I'm gonna play this Wolverine. Game. Like how yeah. can how can you go wrong, man? Like, well, the problem is, is I have everything right. I still have to get a PS5, which are not har- that hard to come by in Korea because you know, like console gaming is still like not the kind of gaming here. But like it's oh gaining my goodness, popularity. how how is how is uh, getting a graphics card in South Korea? <laughs> it's right easy. There were thirty. 80s or, cards? They, yeah, they're just sitting on shelves, and it's just it like, is getting it is finally getting better over here. But like, I mean, I've had my 90 for at least two months now, right? It's yeah. been a while since I've had my 90 one. Yeah, I but yeah, watching. like it, it's it's still pretty like dour over here. Like you're still ordering online and stuff for that kind of shit. So yeah, I uh, I've been flirting with the idea of uh, building my own PC again. So here in Korea, and see what I can slot together but we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes later basically it would just be like how how pretty can i make final fantasy 14 
and we're not gonna i don't need to do that right now i my my machine right now runs it fine so we're good (laughs) putting final fantasy 14 is the priority on a machine that you're probably going to want to buy like a a 11 900k and a fucking 3084 might be wasting you know some potential there maybe if you're going to be playing like metro exodus or control or something like that then you could play control with all the ray tracing bells and whistles turned on though which would be I would highly recommend that you do. Yeah. That, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Was there anything else in that Sony thing that we wanted to talk about? We have Spider-Man. Knights of the War. Old Republic. Oh, Knight Kotor, right? See, that's the thing. There's so many fucking games. They announced right. Kotor and everything, and I completely forgot. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, remake. they're a remake of the original Xbox. Like, not even, an, there's no designation to that Xbox. Just the Xbox, the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. Classic, actually. I've even played this fucking game. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the first Star Wars uh, RPG. Yeah. For the original Xbox, which was a dope fucking game that I played twice. Yeah. I played that fucking thing twice, so I'm excited for this game, yeah. too. This is an again. RPG, and it's Star Wars, and Mark played it twice. That's how good this fucking game is. This game's it's- fucking good. So, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it in the... Especially, like, with a, you know, three generations... Four generations? One, four. 360. Yeah, four generations, four coat of paint. That's going to be... Uh-oh. That's going to be a spicy fucking Star Wars meatball, my friend. You know what I mean? I, so. The thing about, we know that the Old Republic is going to be entering the Star Wars Disney Plus kind of experience. And I was wondering if this game, because it's such a well-told story, was going to be included in the overall canon of it. And I'm glad that it is. I'm glad that, like, if they're bringing this back and, and re-entering it into the public consciousness, there's got to be a reason, right? And so yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> I, I I don't love many, if any, Star Wars. There are no Star Wars games that I love, except for this one. Exception, except like, Star Wars, for me, is interesting, because, like, there are games that I might like more than I like most of the movies, in terms mm. of things like Rogue Squadron or like the TIE Fighter versus X-Wing games back in the day on PC. That janky Nintendo 64 game that... Shadow of the Empire. Shadow yeah, of the Empire. Terrible. It was terrible, but it was... We played it a lot. I mean, well, like... Well, it was the forebearer to that the Rogue Squadron games that came out for N64 and GameCube, right? It I mean, was, those yeah. Were, those were games I liked a lot anyway. I always like <laughs> Flight Sim stuff, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm very excited for uh, KOTOR to come back. That game was fucking awesome, and I'm more than happy to play through it again. What else did they announce? Alan Wake oh, is coming Alan back, Wake. getting yeah, re-released. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know I've been harping about Control for the last couple of years. This is Remedy Games who developed Controls, uh, the game they made before. Actually, not even before. It's two games before. Quantum Break was the game where they made for Microsoft before they made Control. But Alan Wake was their kind of like breakthrough game. Because they did Max Payne first, and then it was sold to Take-Two. And then they did Alan Wake for 360 and PC. And everybody was hyped up about it. And now that universe has tied itself into... They've tied that universe into Control. Mm-hmm. So Alan Wake appeared in one of the DLC packs of Control. Uh-huh. So like that's tied in. But now we're getting a remaster of Alan Wake for PS5. So this is the first time it's actually coming to PlayStation. Also, it was only it was an Xbox exclusive before. Mm-hmm. It was a Microsoft exclusive before because it was only Windows and uh, Xbox. But yeah, so that's there. Yeah, that Project Eve game, and I don't even know who's developing it, but that looks spectacularly pretty like the graphics on that look insanely good i will it's gotten a little bit of controversy for just being another hot girl hack and slash game mm-hmm. but i'm like i don't i have like those are some of my favorite games <laughs> yeah hack and slash games like i love bayonetta i yeah. love near 
automata which this this game just looks like a kind of amalgamation of those two things with yeah better looking anime boobs so yeah one of my concerns about this is that near and bayonetta have such a personality and an imprint like near yeah is like twisty fucked up sci-fi to the nth yep. degree and bayonetta is basically like sexy sailor moon-esque like referencing which is, every yeah which is like and stuff. yeah sexy sexy anime cult girl thingy i don't it's know it's almost but, like it's almost like a cult sailor moon actually when you yeah think, i mean more occult sailor moon like spooky occult sailor moon because i guess yeah. Moon's kind of a culty also but yeah it's and know, it Project eve does it looks beautiful and i like yeah. i think it just needs we need a little bit more storyline I was kind of get... getting well. They look like biblical angels. She's fighting. It looks mm. more like I was kind of getting Evangelion kind of vibes from it because yeah. of those angelic figures or whatever they are. So I mean, there's that. This is another game for Spoken that looked really good too. Yeah. Square Enix, yeah. Square Enix, yeah. That looked dope. Uh, Uncharted and Uncharted Lost Legacy are both getting remasters for Ooh. PS5 and PC. That's actually coming out for PC, which is interesting talked about alan wake grand theft auto 5 is for some reason being released for its third fucking playstation in a row that game originally shipped for ps3 and is now coming out again for ps5 Mm -hmm. we uh there was another trailer for oh that's the one i was wanted to talk about ghostwire tokyo that That weird like like anime sci-fi thing that was dope as fuck too so like someone's just getting like fucking mad dope games uh this gen so i'm like kind of on board yeah and then there's this weird yeah the last thing was like death loop came out this week and apparently it's pretty buggy but it looks kind of cool uh i liked the what were those games dishonored those was the dishonored games uh last gen were pretty good for xbox and then uh yeah there was another trailer for guardians of the galaxy which comes out the day before my birthday and looks like dog shit Mm -hmm. but what are you gonna do yeah I still want to do this about Radiohead. There's that weird adver- advertisement in there for the uh, Radiohead Epic Games Kid A Amnesia exhibition thing that they're doing mm. in November. That I would kind of like, I almost want to do an episode about it because it's like Radiohead and like interactive media and stuff like that. So mm. I don't know. Weird. Weird. Uh, anything else in there you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I think that was everything. That was pretty much everything. Yeah, those are, were all the things that I cared about anyway. Like, do I really care about another Gran Turismo game? No, I don't. It'll I'm sell sorry. systems for them. That's basically yeah. what they do those for. Yeah. I had a little note at the end saying Spider-Man. Apparently, the uh, first appearance of Spider-Man uh, is officially the most expensive comic in the world now. I think I may have put that in there so that I can tell Tim that his precious Superman is not the most valuable comic in the world anymore. It's <laughs> my my precious spider-man <laughs> yeah. now there was a matrix trailer that came out like like literally the day after we recorded last week's episode so it's like a yes. week old as we're recording this but what did you think are you on board i'm on fucking board i was on board i was really surprised because i really didn't like think that i would care i felt yeah. uh, like i knew that keanu and carrie ann were back back in the fold and i was like oh, i still it still really didn't like click for me that yeah. this was happening and i was like oh well like uh, i don't know it wasn't until the trailer, the trailer hit that i was like oh okay yeah i'm on board now yeah, yeah i was it, like why are we doing this also <laughs> like so. it feels like they have a story to tell and yeah. that was my concern was that like the second and third matrix movies felt like they didn't really have a story to tell because it felt like 
so many other sci-fi films, and we'll talk about that today for sure with Ghost in the Shell. Um, yeah. But it had like ma- the first Matrix has such a strong point of view, and the the second and third ones kind of don't. Whereas yeah. the the trailer felt like it really had a perspective, and so yeah. I'm excited for that. I've just been enjoying the hot takes of everybody rewatching the first batch of movies, and like everybody suddenly realized that it's it's got trans. Like, yeah, it's a trans allegory. Yeah, it's yeah, a trans allegory. Like, yeah, and everybody's like, "I can't believe this whole time it was there." And I'm like, "Uh, <laughs> we've been, we've been saying, we've been." Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we talked about that when like the movie came out, but uh, you know, I, I think know. yeah, I don't know. It just it seems you know like trans identities are now becoming more prevalent and more mainstream, which is great. Yeah. Needs more, need more of that. But like, it's always the endless irony of the um, the right wing having tried to co opt um, the red pill concept, and then both of the Wachowskis transitioned, and they were like. Like oh, they they tried to co-opt the a concept that was made by two trans women, and it was just kind of like, well, yeah, go fuck yourselves. But uh, yeah, I uh, I really hope that the new the new Matrix film is good. One and two that it makes them very angry, continues to make them angry because they still try to use that red pill shit. They still well, there, I, I was just shit. seeing that shit like not too long ago, and I was like, um. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we're kind of into like regular news stuff. Apparently, Disney's rebooting Flight of the Navigator with yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard behind the camera, which I think is interesting. I think she did a good job on those uh, Mandalorian episodes. So I'd be kind of excited to see what she does. Guess it runs in the family. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, it, like, that's a, I'd be a, there's lots of like footage of her talking about like, yeah, like learning from being on set with her dad and stuff like that. And I guess like, I mean, I'm not Ron Howard's biggest fan, but like, I mean, fuck, he's, he's directed some big goddamn movies. So, yeah. you know, good for her. I um, think I always like Bryce Dallas Howard as an actress yeah, and I've been a champion of her stuff. Even, even movies as shitty as The Village were made better with her presence. Like she Spider-Man was, 3? We were just Spider-Man talking 3? about it. Right, yeah. exactly. She's usually... Cast the redhead as the blonde and the blonde as the redhead, but you know. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. whatever but she's often like she was great in black mirror she's always she always understands the assignment and she's always like bringing something good to the the performance so her in the director's chair she seemed to understand the assignment when she was directing the mandalorian so you know, oh, know. I, I have she, faith yep absolutely um apparently because Warner Brothers just doesn't know how to get out of its own way. They are just, they're trying to make an HBO Max series out of uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin from the Batman that's coming out. And sometimes I just wish they'd fucking pick a lane and, uh, you know, finish right. one project before they decide. See, this is what gets me is like, how do we know that it's even good? You know what I mean? Because a bunch of the suits at Warner Brothers said it was good and let's make a show out of this. Like, that literally is like the last thing that would indicate to me that a show is good is if somebody who works at Warner brothers says it was worth having a <laughs> yeah. show. You know what I mean? Like given the, what their track record has been the last little while. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal. Now I say this as a Colin Farrell Stan practically. Like I've always yeah, yeah. enjoyed Colin Farrell, no matter what. He's good, doing. man. Again, yeah. he always understands the assignment. What from yeah, oh, yeah. devil to the lobster, like Absolutely. everything. He's always great. And even Fantastic Beasts, when he transformed into Johnny Depp, I was like, no, Colin, don't go. But 
I don't know. Like, why? I don't know why they picked. Maybe because they just like, oh, Colin would be interested in making a series about this character because he enjoyed playing him. So we're going to do this because name recognition and Warner Brothers is just, I don't know. It just seems strange to me because the movie hasn't even come out yet. And as far as I understand, like the original cut that people have seen, like very few people have seen is like three hours long. And it's like Batman horror, which entices me. Fine. Yeah. But like, I don't know if I need a series about the penguin. So, right. Yeah. So I'm kind of, yeah. The penguin of all characters Maybe this penguin is just really compelling. I'm hoping, maybe. maybe. Like, maybe. please justify the penguin's existence in this movie. Sure. But, but uh, why? Uh, a couple a couple little things, and we'll, we'll move on from uh, the news this week. There was a bunch of Star Trek dates, but I didn't write any of them down. And I know the only one that I think is uh, super relevant to anything happening anytime soon is Prodigy, I think, starts on October 12th. Mm. so like that's the only thing that came out of that that i noticed um we are getting a third season of lower decks also which is dope i think we may have talked about this stuff already it's hard to say all this stuff was like being announced as we were recording last week's episode Mm. and then yeah things are a little muddled in my brain now i'm not even high yet either so like there you go there you go what else is there here let's talk about oh last thing because i always like to bring leave us on a high note at the very least hawkeye there was a trailer for Hawkeye. There was. Yeah. I'm fucking excited for this looks good. I like I'm gonna bag on Jeremy Renner a lot because Hawkeye's pointless. But this fucking show looks like it's gonna be fun. And it's based on that fraction run that we love. So mm-hmm. like give me this in my eyeballs as soon as possible, please. I'm very excited for this. I do like uh is it Haley Steinfeld is in this with him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's fucking great. She was in yeah. uh Bumblebee. Yeah. Quite good. Quite she's enjoyable. Great. She's Kate Bishop, a delight. Good. Oh yeah, yeah. I I know that it's going to be great, and Yelena will probably be in it too. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, she's already she's on the IMDb page, like yeah, as yeah, part yeah. of the cast for like six episodes. So um, we're also getting an Echo, like yeah. uh, the Daredevil character Echo, which like has got everybody being like, "There's a rumor going around that like Vince D'Onofrio shows up for a couple episodes too." But like that's just the rumor that's always going around. You know, it's yeah. either Charlie Cox or Vince D'Onofrio. It's like, oh yeah, he showed up on this show. Like, no, he didn't. Until but, until I see any one of those Daredevil actors yeah. in the yeah, MCU stuff, yeah. then I'm not holding my breath. I just I can't. The Charlie Cox's arm in the trailer scenario, like, the people really lost their minds and it was not even close and i was just like and when everybody said that like it was his arms and i was like the pudgy guy because i paused it and was like he's got a gut charlie cox is like 110 pounds like he's this big around he's a little yeah yeah yeah. but he is not there's some pudge on that dude that's not charlie cox yeah i was though they when they pant they someone showed like the the fully unpant like hand out picture and it was not him and so it's just kind of like uh yeah i can't get my hopes up anymore i want charlie cox back i just want daredevil i just want daredevil back at this point like like it's such a good character yeah i can't believe that he's not like 
even front and center. I mean, I guess he was, and they fucked it up because they let Netflix do it, right? And now we're kind yeah. of paying the price for them wanting to use because he's kind of an A list character that, or I guess he's kind of like a B list character that's very popular, basically. Yeah, I don't know. It's always weird to me because Daredevil is consistently the best book Marvel publishes on the comic side, mm-hmm. like for the past two decades. You're more than likely, if you pick up an issue of Daredevil on the stands that month, to yeah. get something ridiculously good out of one of these insanely good runs that have happened since Bendis, like in 2000, right? Yeah. No other book has been that consistently good. And yet, like, they, and they fucking, like, I would argue that season one and three of Daredevil are the best things that Marvel live action has produced, even now to this day. Except for maybe like Winter Soldier and Endgame or something like that. Mm. Those two seasons of Daredevil are fucking dope. I agree. And As a Daredevil guy. So Yeah. Well, let me just suggest that Daredevil and Spider-Man fulfill similar roles in the Marvel universe and way, way I know, but complimentary in the comic world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Daredevil's way more grounded than Spidey and there's that and more adults. Weird, yes, also more adults. And there's that weird begrudging respect that they have for each other, mm-hmm. Matt because he knows if peter ever came at him he's fucked because peter's a god compared to him mm-hmm. yeah and the other way around because peter's terrified of matt because matt doesn't have a fucking off switch and will yeah. just keep goddamn well coming and well the thing and the know. thing is like spider-man is like the cartoon versus daredevil's more grounded real life thing so spider-man you can spider-man's slot- the comic book daredevil's the hbo show yeah right? Com- so. Like Spider-Man can get slotted into something like Secret War or whatever Avengers. because he's such Avengers because he's he is so cartoonish and larger than life. Whereas yeah. Daredevil is real life if he feels more real life, and so he deals yeah. with stuff like you know his his villains are like Typhoid Mary, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Kingpin, Bullseye. like yeah. Bullseye feels like. It's always really personal and always really like kind of crime and, life and scary. Level. Yeah. Yeah. And Spider-Man yeah. goes off with like science abominations. He really like the Spider-Man Venomous rogues are and, basically yeah. science abominations, yeah. right? Science so, gone wrong. Yeah. Frankenstein. Frankenstein versus like the Sopranos. I don't know. It's just, I like, guess, yeah. I guess I'm, I just, I'm always like, I'm always mystified by how Daredevil gets kind of cast aside a little bit, but then again, it makes sense because like, yeah, usually his stories are the most adult, like closest yeah. to M rated you get. So and costume design that. and name recognition, like my my look yeah, at my stu- none of my students are dressing up as Daredevil for Halloween. They're all dressing up as Spider Man. There's there's also just that like you have to dress up as the devil to go as Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like you're in a devil suit regardless, which yeah. is always going to have that stigma, especially over here, right? Like in North America, dressing up in a red devil costume kind of thing. Yeah, uh, there's always that kind of thing. I mean, to me, it's dope as fuck because like, he's Daredevil and that shit's awesome. But I love the Daredevil costume. So. I've been reading comics for way too long, so mm. there's that. Um, that's all the news I had. I'm sure I missed something. Uh, Tim would be yelling at me, but uh, Tim's not here, and I don't yeah. care. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anything else we can talk about, so let's move on just, to Geek of the Week. Well, just, oh, did you the, have something? The, just the Why the Last Man. Uh, oh, shit. I had that in there because I watched it, too. It was going to be my I, Geek of the I Week. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it yet, so I guess we could move on to Geek of the Week. Let's do Geek of the Week. week. Uh, Then I won't spoil it, but yeah, so let's, yeah, do your sting. Sorry, I was going to jump on the sting. I forgot. Geek of the Week. 
this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. And I guess I'll just start because I fucking watched the first three episodes of Why the Last Man and I enjoyed it so far. I was interested in all the, there's a lot more, there's a bunch of stories going around about this also, but like they've actually included some trans characters, which was omitted in the comic a little bit, which makes, it makes it for an interesting watch. So I think, uh, I think everybody should take a look at it. I'm like, I'm on board for Why the Last Man. I, I liked the comic a lot. I didn't even think like, People were getting really uppity about it this week. <laughs> like, yeah, it's trans exclusionary. And I was like, was it? I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess it was. I didn't really think about it that way. Because you're just yeah. like, you're, you're stuck on the, the grand scheme of it, right? You're not sitting there looking at the minutiae. But either way. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. for some people, that is the grand scheme. Because it is their Which, existence. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so, like, but when you, um, you know, the writer of the book probably didn't intend to be trans exclusionary but nope. was by by omission and like the good for the show for addressing that like even well, he's in, in there the... it's brian k vaughn who's in the room like help like yeah. i think he actually brought it up he was like no i wanted there to be more of it i didn't really he's like it's exactly that he's like it wasn't part of my wasn't part of my world at that point either you know what i mean like it wasn't yeah. like in my sphere of influence all the time um, right so, and like, you don't think about it it's it's tricky to, to come back after the fact and be like listen i'm sorry i just yeah. didn't think about it you know what I mean? like that's not my experience i'm sorry so. right and like even the promotional material uh um, included uh, the like trans inclusion uh in the language and yeah. that's been like i thought you know i don't know actually you know what i'm not going to speak on this i don't know if it's enough it's like definitely not my place to say but i yeah, like i uh so but it was good least, though so we don't have to get into trying, it so yeah yeah what's well, the thing i appreciated at least for me that the effort was put into acknowledging that which great whether that's i don't know if that's enough because again i'm not trans cisgender. and i have no idea yeah so mm-hmm. yeah and like and i'm the worst cisgender i'm a straight white male mm-hmm. so you know what i mean like the absolute worst of us absolute worst right 100%. the absolute worst of us just go so, walk like, into the ocean i may as well i may as well yeah. just go walk into the ocean and might at some point you never know <laughs> as yeah i know again as a cis white male the worst of us obviously uh, i enjoyed the show so like yeah there you go i'm looking forward to sitting down and watching it because i haven't yet um yeah. but yeah the first three episodes came out all at once right so, yeah yeah they, they dumped them all at once so yeah. i, I kind of sat down and watched it as a little movie i was like oh yeah it feels like the comic i was i was on board yeah. i don't like love the guy who's playing yorick but i didn't really like the yorick character in the show in the comic either uh to be honest he's he kind was- of He's the least interesting character. Well, yeah, yeah. he was the least interesting yeah. character. His, his and, mom's sister and the agent that takes care of him are all much more interesting characters than he ever was. 100%. Uh, even his girlfriend, uh, Beth, or whatever her name is. Uh, I think it's yeah. Beth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the girl that's lost in Australia. He, she was way more interesting. And she was just a random blonde girl in the comic. I think she's they've, they've race-lifted her and like made her interesting, even more interesting in the show. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. I had a good time with it. But I uh, don't sleep on Why the Last Man. It was pretty good. What about you? My Geek of the Week is Final Fantasy related because I haven't really had time for much else. Um, I've been farming a weapon. You know, you got to get like glamours and game. So I have to get the fancy, the best weapon for white mages in slot until Endwalker comes out in two months. Do you ever mention to any of your like, I don't know, it's not squad mates, party members or whatever? What do you call them? We used to have the clamshells in Final Fantasy XI. What's, what's your team mm-hmm. called? In- um... Oh, my free company in yeah, your uh, free company. Yeah, do you is there ever any discussion with your free company in Final Fantasy fourteen that uh, ostensibly this video game is just RuPaul's Drag Race, the RPG? Well, we're new to the free company, so, so no. 
No. <laughs> I mean... Uh, like, Do you and Jihoon ever comment on the fact that this game has slowly but surely turned into RuPaul's glam drag race? I mean... RPG? I've, I've certainly... I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast a lot at this point. Yeah, now. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, if you look on Aorzia Collection, like, there's a, a website that's devoted to, like collecting glamours that people have designed with the game uh, and you know that the ones who are designing for the cat boys are all gay men or oh like, yeah femboys or all those like just it's very queer like it's the most like i think final fantasy 14 is probably the most queer of the mmos and i'm sure that like there is no, a, MMOs, a yeah, sub- i was gonna say yeah, I was um, gonna say if you're gonna say Final Fantasy games, I'm like Final Fantasy 15 came out. That's pretty gay too. Hey, Not let, negatively, let, but just like wow. Let, let me so just gay. say um, to add to my geek of the week that this week they reran the Final Fantasy 15 tie-in event, and oh one of God. the one of the items that you can win is Noctis's outfit. You can wear it as a glamour, and they don't call him. They're called. It's the Lucian Prince's outfit. But it's the Lucian Prince's shirt and the Lucian Prince's bottoms as as opposed to the pants. And so, like, someone photoshopped two of the other Final Fantasy XV characters over top of the pants as the quest reward for that. And I was like, oh, poor Ignis and Prompto. Yes, they are both bottoms, though, so it's fine. But, yeah. But I'm farming a a fancy white mage cane that lights up and has butterflies flying around it. It's going to be great Holy once I finally finish fuck. it. Fuck. Uh, it really yeah. is. This really is like RuPaul's Drag Race video game. Eh? It's like, basically that's... season 10 finale Asia O'Hara dead butterflies coming out of her her titties. That was, oh, maybe I should make you watch season 10. What a, what a ride. Um, but um, yeah, no, I know. I might be glad you're not regularly hosting the podcast if you're fucking yeah. describing that right there. Yeah. So I don't know. Yes, uh, so the I was the second to last stage of this. It was a fucking grind. I had to farm six different raids thirty times each, so one hundred and eighty raids oh total at like five to ten minutes per raid. So it was quite a chore. But I finally finished the farming last night, so I just have one more step to go, and then I will have my pretty butterfly stick. That I can use as glamour forever because by the time Endwalker comes out, it's not going to be best in slot anymore. So I'm just going to have to like suck it up and then just get a ne- another pretty glowy stick the next time around. Hopefully, it'll be just as equally pretty gay? as this one. Equally gay, homosexual. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Best in slot, eh? Best in slot. There's a phrasing. There's a phrasing issue with that sentence somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Either way. All right. Yeah. Let's move that on to the, the episode then. Meat of the episode. Confusing robotic meat. I was going to say pensive cyborg meat. (laughs) Yeah, pensive cyborg meat. Uh, Wait, the meat is not good enough, so we must transcend meat. Sure. So because we've been feeling that Matrixy vibe the last little while, and because Tim was away and I needed to fill a week, Paul and I decided to watch a movie. And I thought we we would go back to do some anime because we don't usually do a lot of that and this is one that i'm actually quite fond of myself i've seen it a number of times and ties quite nicely into our matrix discussion tonight because if this movie didn't exist they would have never gotten to that first fucking matrix movie because 90 percent of that was stolen from this fucking movie <laughs> fucking right <laughs> we, were, we watched 1995's anime masterpiece ghost in the shell ghost in the shell uh the first one 
Not v- yeah. I've, I've watched a couple versions of it because there's a V2 or whatever version of it also yeah. that's floating around. So I've looked at a couple versions of it. Yeah. Um, this week, but we're just gonna you know have a little discussion about some like cool looking anime ladies killing giant robots and mm-hmm. having existential crises about their existences and stuff like that. Yeah. But Paul. Paul. Yes. Can you explain the fucking plot of Ghost in the Shelter? <laughs> I knew you were going to tell me to do this, and I didn't want to because, okay. Oh, I, I Take your time. In, Take your time. I, you have to clear your mind and transcend the ego collective. I was going to say, do you want to do a fucking bunch of dabs before we do this? I have to um, achieve nirvana. And yeah. okay, so the the plot is a convoluted mess. And it doesn't oh, yeah. really matter very much. Just mm-hmm. like the first 30 minutes is a bunch of like political intrigue that is fucking word salad and doesn't matter at all in the long yeah. run. So... We are introduced to Major Kusanagi, who is a cybernetically enhanced being. It appears that she is fully robotic, cybernetic, with a a brain, a human brain encased in a shell, which yeah. is what they call this like metal casing that allows living beings, whether cybernetic or not, to access internet. And networks. And so she's one of those, but her body is fully cybernetic while some people only have like certain pieces. Yeah. 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 We, so in terms of the political plot, which makes no sense, there was a coup in the Gavel Republic. And one of the people who were in the original government were spirited into Japan and are being protected by the embassy there, the Gavel Republic embassy there. And uh, Major Kusanagi goes in with some dope-ass camouflage. Some, like, real Metal Gear shit. Like, some real, really on yeah, pre-Metal Gear, or pre-Metal Gear, Gear, solid Metal Gear. Um, the, yeah, the, yeah, number yeah, yeah. Of, the number of things that oh, I guess that's right. this up, yeah. Because that's be Uroborosi at that point. Because like some of that tech and stuff is from the original games, mm. like it's from the 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 uh, MSX games, like the yeah. NES game. Yeah, but then which the, would predate the, this. Yeah, but the which I didn't think about because I was thinking about Solid, right? I was thinking about MSG or MGS Solid or Metal yeah. Gear Solid, and like that's 1997. But like, yeah, the original yeah. games are like 1986. So yeah. when did the manga of this come out? Which one ate? Which is ass is basically it, well, what I'm That's ask. the thing is that it's self-referential because uh, like Metal Gear Solid comes back and references Ghost in the Shell in mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so we, yeah, it's a constant loop of reference. Same with Matrix. Yep. And we'll get into that. So yeah, once we get through the plot, then we can actually talk about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the Gavel Republic thing is all just a setup to understand the difference between Section 6 and Section 8. Nine and section six. Section nine is the the government agency that Major Kusanagi belongs to, along with Bato and the other guy, the long hair and the the six shooter. I forgot his name, but it's fine. Doesn't matter. Six shooter guy. I'm gonna call him six shooter guy. Yeah, he's and he's like the human of the of their group, right? The most human. He is enhanced. Yeah, 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 but But he's married. Yeah. Yeah. And so they belong to Section 9, and they are more of a black ops 
ground unit with individual agents, where Section 6 seems to be a more shadowy government organization that is involved in more international intrigue. And they they work together, but are also at odds with each other. And so we find out that through all of this, that there's a, a hacker named the Puppet Master who was attempting to hack the Gavel Republic's interpreter. Yeah, who was also a cyborg. Who was also a cyborg. And she, and once we get this plot point, we don't need to think about the Gavel Republic ever again. Because we just yeah. need to know that this was the the impetus for us finding out about the Puppet Master, who we find out eventually is a product of Section 6's attempt to create a life form that is based fully on information, or had yeah, they accidentally an created it, an AI. Accident- I think it's they accidentally created an AI is what, like, that's kind of how I interpret it this time watching it. Yeah. I remember watching it as a younger man and having no fucking clue what they were talking about in terms of how yeah. the puppet master came to be. But now it seems like it's more like a rogue AI, which yeah. makes a little bit more sense to me. They never actively call it that, which also adds to the confusion, right? Like if you said, somebody just said rogue AI, you would understand that concept now in 2021 as like a yeah. pop culture omnivore or whatever. Whereas yeah. like, yeah, in 1995, they're just, they threw that concept in front of you without the name there to kind of yeah. explain it. And you're just like, what was that? What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the- dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah. Dumb. The okay. the subtitles and again because of language barrier the subtitles that I had has the puppet master explicitly saying that he's not AI but that he's something beyond that which I'm like okay sure. But yeah, every um, AI is going to say that as soon as it gets beyond a certain point also, you know what I mean? Right. So well they they make some implication that it's a clone like it's like the copy of a like it's a digital copy of a ghost what they call ghosts like your soul ostensibly so it's like yeah i think I they say something it's a, that, it's a yeah, digital yeah. copy of the of a ghost that they've enhanced and now is but that to me is just like that's how you would build an ai is making a copy of a human neural yeah. net and then like expanding it from there that's how they do it in star trek every time they do it basically yeah. so yeah i don't know and so yeah so we find out that this project 2501 is a uh, result of section six doing bad things. And so they try to basically trap the puppet master inside of a cybernetic body by, I guess they put in a code that it couldn't resist hacking and like snared him inside of a cybernetic body of a hot blonde. Yeah. Well, it's the interpreter, right? Yeah. And the same model as the interpreter? The same model as the interpreter. It was, yeah. And it just happened to fall into Section 9's jurisdiction. And so they bring the, the body of the Puppet Master into Section 9. And Section 6 decides to cover up their f- major fuck-up by infiltrating Section 9 along with their official Section 6 people who are there to, quote-unquote, work with Section 9. And by doing so, reveal their own implication in this major colossal mistake. And so they're tr- they try to um, destroy the puppet master while Section Nine is trying to reveal that Section Nine is the Section Six is responsible for all of this. And it results in the puppet master and Major Kusanagi having a major showdown at the end. But it's a very like psychic thing. 
Whereas, but before that, the major has to fight a tank sent by section six. Yeah. And that's like the big, the big action set piece for the final thing. But it, yeah, it which all... makes the rest of the movie feel very anticlimactic. Cause like after that, there's still half an hour of the movie left after the tank battle. And that tank battle is basically like the Metal Gear solid finale. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a bunch of talking afterwards. There's a lot of talking afterwards. Yeah. And then, so the puppet master decides that it wants to merge with Major Kusanagi because of its desire to be more human. If it just copies itself into networks again and again and again, it doesn't create any kind of variation the way that humans or other living beings reproducing does when they mix their DNA. And so by mixing their two ghosts together, presumably then they will create a new type of being that will be able to um, adapt and transcend the limitations of the original Puppet Master program. And so they do merge. At the end, we find out that they have merged, but Kusanagi seems to be more in control, and but has transformed into something else entirely, but has been put in the body of a cybernetic little girl because we have to have creepy anime girl well there's lots of like pedophilic implications in this movie also right like there's all that like human trafficking sub stuff that was going on yeah early on where like they there was a really weird implication where it's like little girls ghosts being put into like permanently young cyborg girl bodies or something like that i think yeah. is what the implication is in the movie very fucked up yeah and so she ends up coming back in one of those bodies mm-hmm. uh so she's got like the body of a 10 to 12 year old girl basically yeah with, with her head on it it looks like her normal head though yeah her normal head on it that's a little off-putting yeah and then she takes off into the night and that's kind of where the movie leaves right like that's mm-hmm. the end of the movie yeah which is i remember like the movie ending and like even this time and i knew it was coming that i'm so like oh oh that's very sudden all right yeah. okay i guess we're done i should watch this again because i feel like i missed like a huge chunk or something but nope 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 that's the whole movie that's it yeah. that's everything yeah 82 minutes. Right. So there's a lot of philosophical dialogues that kind of Socratic dialogues almost that go, uh, go into the, the things that kind of try to expound ideas. We miss, I totally glossed over the, the original hacking that was done of the interpreter of the gavel Republic was done by a guy remotely who had memories implanted basically. Oh yeah. They had that whole yeah. scene where they, they, they explained to him that like the, the memories that he's remembering are false and that he doesn't actually, that's a fucking horrifying, like one of the most horrific implications of this fucking movie mm-hmm. is where your brain has been hacked. Your memories have been replaced. Your original memories ostensibly overwritten by those new memories. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to remember what you knew originally and yeah. you're never going to know what was real and what wasn't. Yeah. But you just have to continue to exist like that going forward. Like, you want to talk about completely frying a person's sense of self. Yeah. And, like, leaving them to just fucking swing in the world of insanity. That's kind of where that right. guy's stuck, right? So It was perplexing to me that they would throw in that idea with a movie that was so dense with ideas to begin with because we have kusanagi's concept of her identity where she talks about the concept of the ghost which seems to be a something that can be quantified by computers but is 
created almost as a byproduct of the consciousness of the the cyber brain as well as like the ghost of regular humans who which we would call a soul and yeah. are they the same thing and is her ghost just like a a line of code in her programming or is it something beyond that and if that is the key to her identity but it can be overwritten just like a humans obviously can then what is identity to begin with and who like is should we care but we have to care because it's the only way we experience the world there's a there's a lot of like stuff going on in this movie but like in terms of plot the plot once we if you look at it in its bare bones is not that complicated except for like the fucking weirdness well, the of the of it. Shit. Yeah. yeah like it's the woo woo of it that really kind of makes it complicated right or like the philosophical questions that the movie poses of you is kind of more where you get hung up on it in discussion afterwards like you're not thinking about like we absolutely talk about like the animation is fucking spectacular uh mm-hmm. like everything looks great in here it's one yeah. of those like well, it's one of those animated movies that i remember seeing as a kid and just being like this thing these things can look this fucking good like yeah. we can do this at this point and i was like why aren't more cool american cartoons happening that look this fucking good like i don't understand why our characters don't get treated this fucking well because uh, disney. In animation yeah i guess it is disney right but yeah i mean now we're getting it like what if looks this fucking good but like it's it's 20 years too fucking late for me at this point <laughs> i mean so i mean yeah if you weren't watching anime in the 90s and 2000s, then your your concept of what animation was and is, especially from a Western standpoint, you know. Like... And that was the interesting thing for like for me with anime in particular is like I never you get into it because you like the stories and like you like the, the milieu and like the culture and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I almost exclusively watch anime because I'm a fucking animation dork. Mm-hmm. Like I just like. Like the animation that they do in Japan is, or wherever they're like actually drawing, because I know a lot of this stuff gets done in like Korea and stuff now, also, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the animation houses are in South Korea, also. Yeah. But like it's so next level compared to like what we would get, even like like Saturday morning cartoon shit, like Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. versus this. And it's like the same time period. Well, no, I guess 1995 is more like Batman the Animated Series. Right. But like even then, like that looks good, but it still looks like a fucking cheap Saturday morning, like Fox cartoon. This looks like money. Art. You know what I mean? Yeah, it looks yeah, it looks like art. Like it's, it's well funded art. <laughs> yeah, and that's and I just yeah, it makes it but when this stuff looks as good as the actual comic book art that I was getting, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the backgrounds, like the de- the level of detail, yeah. and then it's animated on top of everything else. I, yeah. I was I, this is the stuff I like to look at just because I was I was it's animation porn more than anything yeah. else like it, and not like animation porn there is boobies in this like there's naked people in this movie but like it's naked not women kind particularly of yeah there's a lot yeah. I mean it's it's anime there's always naked women first like yeah it's only been recently where you start seeing more dicks in the anime also in like, just just in general you know just, I mean like, in general it has been happening more I've seen more dicks everywhere but you know yeah in animation in particular, yeah, they, I mean, the idealized female form is very popular amongst most, uh, most animators are lonely white men, in case we weren't aware, especially yeah. back then. Yeah, well, it was interesting to me, like, animation-wise, and here's, and maybe this is, like, me reading too much into it, but there's a certain level of genius that there are only two female characters the um like the puppet master's body and the major and they both have the same body type the same face too same face 
The only difference is their hair. Yeah. And that speaks to the male psyche so much more when we look at the male characters and there's such a variation of body types for like even the AI have like mm-hmm. you have like a more slim athletic versus like a hulking big guy versus like the tall Caucasian like mm-hmm. the variation is much more extreme and so like the beauty standards or like the the body standards that I was like oh why aren't there more well and then I was thinking to myself oh because they're manufactured and they would be manufactured by men and men like straight men would want a like the, like narrow con like nowadays when I think about like fetishism and like the amount of porn that there is in like in types of genre and stuff like that. And like, Oh, there's probably a market, but for like your prototype models and like your, the mass code for your, for your mass produced, like first sex bot model is going to be a five foot nine blonde with double D like yeah, and, it's and then inside that. Yeah, it's Barbie. Exactly. It's Barbie. You're yeah. exactly right. It's going to be Barbie. It's going to be Barbie. Barbie. And everything yeah. will be a variation on Barbie in the future. Yep. Like, once once you yep. get Barbie down, then you get... And then I was like, okay, yeah, actually this makes sense. And, like, the fact that her... Their bodies... But look at it in dolls. You can even look at it in dolls. The women, yeah. it's the Barbie, right? That's the figure you would get. Mm-hmm. And then the men, you get 18 different variations, right? Like, yeah. Even inside an action figure line, think about like an X Men action figure line: mm-hmm. Rogue, Jean Grey, Storm, Emma Frost, everybody. All those women would have exactly the same body, just painted differently, right? Mm-hmm. With a different costume on. But think about the body types you get: Colossus, huge, standard Cyclops, right? Yeah. Wolverine, short and squat. Yeah. Uh, skinny like Nightcrawler. You know, you yeah. get all these bo- strong guy. You get those big hulking type characters. Beast. Yeah. You get all those different kinds of characters. All the women look exactly the same. They yeah. all look like Psylocke, right? Just with different yeah. hair colors. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. absolutely. So when I was. Straight white men are boring. Looking We're so it. boring. So boring. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I guess, straight Japanese men, same same problem. I mean, like. Well, straight men, period. <laughs> We're just boring. We all suck. Yeah. We should just jump into the ocean. Just go. Yeah. Go back to the embrace of Dark Mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I'm on board. Let's do it. Yeah, it's a real nihilistic um, episode this week, which I guess is kind of fitting given like what we watched. Very. It's a pretty nihilistic kind of movie. Yeah, this movie does not have the um, fun, reckless abandon that certain scenes in The Matrix have. Yeah, this is a different kind of vibe than that. Like The Matrix yeah. still has that like chop sake, like we're having, we're still here to have some fun on a Friday night kind of thing. Yeah. This movie doesn't concern itself with your entertainment. This movie is concerned with its philosophical questions and how many anime tits it can squeeze in in its 85 minute runtime. And that's basically all it's kind of on board for. Yeah. Which is an interesting dichotomy is when your, your preoccupations are like, we're going to ask grand fucking questions about transhumanism and the the definition of self and like all these bizarre Socratic ideas, yeah. but we're also going to throw some tits in there for good measure because like, we got to have tits. Like why yeah. would you not have tits? Got to have tits. Right. And I, I think so. does the, the objectification of Kusanagi's body, like does it add it's anything not her to body the narrative? Though. Well, that's the thing. And the, that, right? that, that's what I kind of, I think that it actually does serve a narrative purpose and that like her, the nudity and, the way that her body is generally treated is very specific. It's not just there. Like, yeah, the nudity is kind of gratuitous, but at the same time, it's like, we're not looking at her. Like her body is a shell. 
a shell and it is it's not a good enough shell for her when we she tries to open the tank hatch and yeah, it, her body if yeah she over her ambition and her drive um destroys the body yeah it strips the capabilities of the of the machine she's inside exactly that's a super fucking intense like that scene maybe one of my favorite animated sequences of all time the fucking tank sequence in this yeah. like the tank battle sequence because yes it is basically just like the the finale of metal gear solid animated better than anything in the playstation one ever could have fucking hoped <laughs> basically yeah. it looks dope but that scene where she gets on top of the tank and is like yeah her body ripples can't, yeah and starts to like like literally disintegrate because she's Try like she's pulling on something so hard that she's pulling her own body apart is basically the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, and it is intense and it looks awesome. Like it's well animated and stuff like that. Yeah, and it it just speaks to like like the limits of all this stuff too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like if, the, the limit of will and the limit of like like what what her physical body been capable of doing. Obviously, not anywhere close to that. But at the same time, right. she's still she would have stopped. To, I mean, yeah. like, if she had a physical body, she wouldn't have been able to get to the point exactly. where she was on top of the tank, but her body would have stopped her from ripping itself apart because, like, we as humans have things that stop us from hurting ourselves to an extent, uh, like, to a great extent. We have fear, we have exertion, we have pain. soreness, pain, all those things, whereas the body in Ghost in the Shell doesn't have any of those limitations. And so... It only makes sense for her body to fall apart, especially if she's going to transcend along with the puppet master into whatever this vast network of consciousness is. And so I find that really fascinating, especially considering they're fighting in a, a museum and there's like Haeckel's like tree of life in the background yeah, very subtle imagery back there with like the yeah, dinosaur bones and the uh, the fossils and all I, that. I, I actually wrote a note in my notes that it was like, man, they're not being very subtle with like what they're showing in the art museum that they're fighting in. Like it's it's pretty on the nose. Like it's all right up the same philosophical fucking aisle that all of this movie is basically. Lots of like questions about like yeah, like mortality and reproduction. Like the art that they chose is very keyed into those ideas. Also. Yeah, and yeah, like the sub it's it ain't it ain't subtext when it's like written on the screen in big bold fucking letters. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, it's really interesting because I like it's such a beautifully made movie and like atmospheric. Well, let's talk about the delivery vessel from which we receive this all this stuff, which is like the animation, the music, and the voice acting, all top notch. Actually, interestingly, even the I've watched it twice, and I watched. I had a hard time finding the original Japanese language dub of this. Oh, really? The American release of it, which is the one that I saw originally, was like the I'm trying to remember who did that. Yeah, I can't who remember. brought it the over originally? Company. But yeah, whoever brought it. Oh, oh, it was Bandai Visual. Oh, Bandai. Okay. Yeah. So when they brought it over, like that's actually it's actually a pretty good dub of this movie surprisingly because mm-hmm. i remember like I, when i first loaded this up to rewatch it i was like oh there's no japanese language on this disc i'm gonna have to watch it again to watch it properly obviously but i sat there and watched it in 4k with the the english dub and i was like oh wait this english dub's not terrible usually they're really bad yeah so i was pretty happy with the the english dub of it like it felt like it was uh tracking to the script and stuff like that yeah so i was like okay they did a pretty good job of it and it wasn't like a lot of the time in like the 90s um when you would get the dubs 
they would just be like excessively vulgar for no reason. I remember yeah. watching Akira with one of the early dubs where like every third word was fuck something, this, that, or the yeah. other thing. We gotta fill we gotta fill the mouth flap the somehow. Mouth moving, yeah. And so we gotta put some fucks in there. Yeah. They didn't they obviously didn't do that in this. They let they let it kind of float. I have no problem with actually I, I this is one where I can totally be like, I don't think there's a big difference between watching it with the dub or the subs. Yeah. Um, I think this is one where they actually did a really good job with the dub. And I would totally recommend people watch it. If like, especially if that's a hang up you have, where like, hey, fucking reading, blah blah blah, while I'm watching a movie, like, yeah, just watch the dub of this one. It totally holds up relatively. So, mm-hmm. and it's pretty accurate to what I was seeing in the subtitles. Also, when I watched it again in Japanese today, so mm-hmm. yeah, that was pretty cool. I don't I like this is one of my favorites of these movies, and I don't remember like if we saw it. This is probably something that you would have asked me to rent for you, and then from we sat down and watched together. Yeah. From that entertainment, yeah, and yeah. that we would have sat down and maybe kind of watched together, uh-huh. and because I'm an I'm an animation dork, and you were just into anime, period. Yeah, and then we probably got shit because it's so fucking violent, and there's tits, which and there's tits. Yeah, this there's is, always, but this yeah. was the movie. I mean, like yeah, in 1995, absolutely. it was like Evangelion was coming out. Evangelion was, just... was like a whisper in the wind for like the next year, I think. You were still watching Dragon Ball when this shit came out. Oh, yeah. Definitely so. that. But it was like Ghost in the Shell is one of those, one of these movies like Akira that really changed the game for Western audiences and was like, okay, so. yeah, like when we think of cyberpunk, we think the Matrix, but this predates that by two years. Well, and then, I a, mean, Blade Runner exists. I know. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's a there's an interesting conversation to have that, like, where does it all start at this point? You know, was it Ridley Scott or did he steal that from? I mean, obviously, he stole that from books, like from the cyberpunk book and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, then Je- like Japan gets a hold of that aesthetic and the Japanese cyberpunk aesthetic is so much fucking cooler than like, <laughs> the American let, one. Let me you know, think, I guess, yeah. It's just, well, maybe it's just because it's more elaborate and more elaborated yeah. also. You know what I mean? Plus, most of it comes from these dope-ass animes where they're really pushing the fucking art to like the very, very intense extremes right. um, and- of it, right? Like, So they can use that exaggeration of illustration to greater effect than you could in like 1970s with Blade Runner in particular. Because they do get there. Like Blade Runner 2049 now looks like a live action anime movie, right? Yeah. Like, so it's all, yeah. that, but that's where we start getting to that Ouroboros fucking conversation of like, right. where did yeah. it start? Who's eating what from who? Who's shitting in the matrix's mouth to make it, it what it is. And where's it, what ass is it eating? And this, that and the other thing. I don't know why I'm using ass eating as such a euphemism in all these yeah. movies, but it's all over the yeah. place. Yeah. I would say that there's a um, Western sci-fi was late to adopt uh, animation as its mode of and it still and yeah. still doesn't do it very often like comparatively when whereas it, anime is all like it's sci-fi fantasy like sci-fi fantasy television in the east is very animated that's such a western uh, animation ghetto thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. we're like Western animation has become because and like I'm gonna shit in Disney's mouth again. And it's Disney's fault, ostensibly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they basically made it so that animated is synonymous with kitty. Right. Yeah. Like that's a Disney thing. And uh, put and like put this in front of your fucking extent. child, Disney. Put yeah. <laughs> whereas whereas like, yeah, it feels like the Japanese and like the Asian cultures maybe more like didn't limit themselves in the same way where like animation is just like another tool. 
to deliver story with you can yeah. deliver children's stories or you can deliver badass fucking adults philosophical stories like what we're watching what we watched here Right. And the tradition is just a little different. Like if you think about sci-fi in where Blade Runner came from and before that, I mean, like bad 1960s schlocky sci-fi is all live action and kind of cheap. Even the original Star Trek, you know, it doesn't look super. Watch your mouth, little boy. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But But that's the point, right? It's campy almost. And I don't think one of the things about Japan and they used animation as a way to meditate, I guess, on the like on these sci-fi ideas. If you and if it happens a lot, if you look at Evangelion, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, Serial Experiments, Lane came out shortly after this, which was all about like a girl, a girl hacker who becomes god of the internet, basically. Yeah, like all of these like super now influential cyberpunk anime came out from around this time and it's because i think that they had to use animation to get these ideas out because what else what else could they have done yeah you you can't do it any other way right like there's no way to get that kind of stuff into live action without it being very expensive whereas drawn it's or dumb looking i mean you can't do giant robot like giant robot live action is power rangers is super sentai <laughs> and basically until michael bay does transformers and then that becomes like a cgi monster fest right like that's where you get your pacific rims and like your new godzilla, godzilla. movies like those yeah. cur- the current slate of godzilla movies and stuff yeah no that makes sense 100 percent. i'm also like i think there's something about japan and technology and like possibly something to do with the way the second world war ended and that mm. their response to that maybe a little bit more staid and paranoid than what the american fiction writers would have also right like that would be more part of their influence would God, be like yeah. we watched two cities vaporized like and saw the fallout of that whereas the americans never experienced that firsthand well and they entered a golden age after that we talk about the 1950s like fucking the republican circle jerk about the 1950s being the the good old days like that was after they they vaporized three hundred thousand people in a a warring country that was and then there was the post-war boom um i mean like so that like that's what I mean. Like Japan would have dealt with the fallout of that differently than the Americans would have, yeah. right? Like even like cu- even cu- like to the the individual who was writing their fiction culturally would have had a different experience than like whoever was writing William Gibson or whatever horseshit like that. What he was writing like in Neuromancer would have yeah. been influenced by what, what happened in America, which would have been like Golden Age and all this money and all this other horseshit. Whereas whoever is writing like Ghosts in the Shell is influenced by like yeah. towards Japan. It's yeah. a different fucking take on the world, right? So Shiro Masamune, um, I believe, is the author of I believe the is the manga. Yeah, the original of the manga, yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. It's you can see where there's a divergence and then a I think the Matrix does a good job of merging these two like things, and so like when well, it also you... it's funny because the Matrix also merges in some of the European comic influence, also right. Like you start getting like the Grant Morrison Invisibles, you get Judge Dredd as part of that influence as well, and those are very. And again, it's that difference between the the fiction of like Britain versus the fiction of Japan versus the fiction of America. America. Like the American stuff's always going to be very idealized. Mm-hmm. like post-world war ii whereas like 
the reconstruction of Britain and the reconstruction of Japan probably soured a lot more people. And you see it in the fiction. Like, look at Dredge, Dread versus Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. a very grim fucking world to yeah. be a vigilante in versus like Gotham or whatever, right? Or yeah. Spider Man for that matter. Like, who is, again, like a, a science gone wrong kind of character, but like Spider Man's like, oh, that's science gone right because he did the right thing with it kind of thing. Yeah. It's the idealistic American idea of it. Whereas in Japan, that whatever did that to Spider Man would have turned him into a freak monster where he couldn't even exist in society anymore either, right? Like, yeah. that's usually what that anime trope would be. Right. Well, when you look at, I think that a good analog for Peter Parker would be Shinji Ikari from Neon Genesis Evangelion, where sure. you put, you thrust, uh, great power and responsibility onto a 14 year old boy and, and watch him collapse watch yeah. him fu- and while his father is pushing up his scary anime glasses and yeah. watching the the <laughs> monstrosity unfold absolutely because he wanted to um clone his wife we're not we're not doing the evangelion well we could do evangelion but like well, that might be a separate podcast we would have to do to get through all that content because right. that's a lot of shit that's a, that's a lot of shit because we'd have to yeah the new movies are out so oh are they yeah, yeah well, well the third the third one just came out recently so um anyway uh, but ghost in the shell in terms of like its aesthetic now oft copied but where it came from and stuff like that yeah i find that very fascinating because we still have you know the the green on black aesthetic the the dingy post-apocalyptic 2029 we have to drive down tokyo streets in boats now because the water levels have risen and yeah. it feel, oh, feels weirdly prescient at this point that's my problem with watching some of these especially and i think it's more the dystopian stuff right that you would get like from japan or like england where it starts to feel way too prescient like i started looking at judge dread and it's like mega cities and i'm like oh man that's yeah. not cool or like you see neo tokyo and akira or like the the version of Japan that exists in Ghost in the Shell, where it's like, yeah, it's post World War Three, like it's just post nuclear fallout, like or post. Yeah. We don't. They don't even specify nuclear fallout, right? They just specify after a calamity, which could be the the climate calamity that we're fucking headlong, like driving towards off yeah. the cliff of or whatever. So exactly, you don't know, right? That would be right. like if I was going to rewrite Star Trek right now. That would be where I would I wouldn't do World War Three. I think right now I'd be like, no, ecological disaster. We basically yeah. have to we wipe ourselves up ecologically. And then there's, they can have a war in there somewhere, but like, I think you kill most of the population by like an ecological disaster and then do yeah. Star Trek afterwards. Yeah. And be ho- hopeful <laughs> after the fact. But you still got to get through <laughs> the ghost in the shell part of it. And that's where we're at right now. But either way, what else do you want to talk about, man? There's so much. Like, we could just sit here and like jam about this fucking movie forever because there's so much know, stuff a lot to of get stuff. into. Um, I do want to talk about the music a little bit because it was really fucking mm. cool. Um, yeah, I think the score is really good in this. Was it Kenji Koto or something? Was the Kenji Kawaii did the film score for it, and it's it's an atmospheric, ambient masterpiece. I think I fucking love this score. I was like listening to it independently of the film after the fact because I thought it was just beautiful. It's got a lot of like industrial to it. Like it's mm-hmm. the, it's very evocative of like. I was thinking like Rammstein, but like like German industrial or like so I Kraftwerk. guess Kraftwerk, Kraftwerk. Yeah, I was thinking more like Frontline Assembly, but like the more like industrial side mm-hmm. of it kind of thing. Yeah, Ministry. Uh, I guess Nine Inch Nails to a certain extent, but like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, 
even do you remember oh, what fucking record is this outside bowie uh, that concept record there's some yeah. of maybe there's some of that to there's some of this to that kind of thing like where bowie yeah. probably heard this and like was inspired because he was always kind of into multicultural like just i know he was in the animation and stuff like that in terms of like just getting shit in his eyes kind of thing basically like I don't mean shit in his eyes. I mean, like, just, like, watching new content, like, getting new ideas in his eyes kind of thing. Um, yeah. Was something sure. that he was big on. But, yeah. No, it's... I, I like the, the score to this very, like, eerie, like, synthwave kind of thing. Yeah. The, they did something... There was another movie, Night on the Galactic Railroad, which is an anime film that is kind of a cult classic that has a similar synth ambient vibe. Also very kind of... Um, ponderous philosophical things but more religious as opposed to um humanistic and all but still about like transcending one's man the japanese really love these kinds of films or making these kinds of films and then well the, they're, they're deeply spiritual people you know what i mean that's philosophy <laughs> i don't know if that's i don't know yeah whatever but uh if you like ghost in the shell night on the galactic railroad is about two cats who go on a transcendent journey like two literal cats two literal well cat people they're cat people oh here's a, a thing i could use some explanation for yeah. cat people where's that come from <laughs> good question because like i think it's part of their there's like the the nine-tailed fox is a character well the foxes i understand human. foxes are like very like they're, they're part of the buddhist tradition and stuff like that like the the fox as a guide animal is like very like it's a traditional thing, but like the cats, like the, especially like it's more the cat people thing that I find interesting. It seems to like propagate itself in all the animation and video games that are like Japanese. Produced, I mean, you know what I mean. Neko Mata um, are like have been in old Japanese paintings for a long time, or like I don't know. It's it just it's just become like a weird fetishy thing that like I I've well, seen the news all has, the time. Yeah, now sure. it has, yeah, yeah, but like. I'm always curious about like where's where does that start? Like who's the first furry that made that a thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. What if I made yeah, what if I made a cat with tits? And then yeah, it may maybe everything is just like fat material. Anyway. Unless they were really big on Star Trek Five, because there was a cat with tits in Star Trek Five, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. Terrible William Shatner directed piece of garbage that one was. We'll get there eventually. Just hey. suffering. Yeah. What was that search? Number five? No. Five. No. Front, Final five. Frontier. Final God. Frontier. What does God right. need with a starship? Oh, right, 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 right. It was one of the odd number ones. Yeah. Four is the Whales. I just watched that one. They just put that out in 4K. They did an interesting thing where they put the first four movies out in 4K, like, you know, the watchable ones. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't put the fifth one out, oddly enough, which means I don't have six, which is annoying. But I mean, it also means that I don't have five, which is, yeah, you know, for good. the best. We'll yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. What else do we want to get into before we wrap this up? Uh, um, should we talk about like the, the matrix of it all? Like, yeah, let's let's just say that the matrix, like the Wachowskis have like gone on to say that this was a huge influence on them. I'm pretty sure like it was. It, oh, it yeah. Was it's, there, there was there was a lot of there's like a laundry list of movies that they referenced in terms of like what they like pulled from to kind of ideate the matrix. And like yeah. they've always been very out front about 
or upfront, I guess I should say about like, yeah, we lifted a ton of shit and like kit bashed a bunch of shit. And like, mm-hmm. yes, we had, we had copies of the invisibles by Grant Morrison that were like on set with us so we could take ideas from it. And yeah. we watched ghost in the shell like 400 times and like to get that because they wanted the aesthetic. Same with blade runner and Akira were all movies. That they have like gone on to say like, yeah, we were hugely influenced by all this stuff. And then we're just, just grabbing everything cool from all of these places to make the biggest, best, cyberpunk hollywood movie we could make right at the time and that's what they did right and so i think that that's the key is that like the matrix uses ghost in the shell as one of many reference points but yeah. it tells a very some people think it's a very similar story but i think that ultimately the theme is quite different because it's not about like everyone seems very assured that their identity exists in the matrix. And that's one yes. thing that is very different from ghost in the shell. Whereas the identity itself is completely Much more in, in question. question. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent in question in this. Yeah. I guess that, that is kind of the big difference I think between like the philosophy of this, even the philosophy of this and any, almost anything else that they reference for the matrix. Like this is, and because of that angle that they take, where like, yeah, you, you like your identity is completely, like you know what i mean ethereal i guess is the word i'm looking for ephemeral yeah yeah ephemeral yeah ephemeral that like it can just disappear on you right and that's Mm -hmm. a a fucking fact of life in day-to-day life right like you could start having cognitive issues and like you're not the same person you were anymore like even a head injury can change your personality basically like we are a mess of goo basically that can be injured and changed fundamentally just think about your behavior when you're hungry versus when you're not like Hi, anything yeah. you know what i mean like, like post, you get post nut clarity is a thing you know <laughs> like or even like angry you know what i mean like think about the dumb fucking shit you do because somebody cuts you off in traffic or you have to listen to some mouth breather tell you why he's anti-vax and has a purple sign on his lawn or whatever yeah you know like the you fucking turn red <laughs> and next thing you know there's a dead guy in front of you and you're like ah shit that's yeah. a problem wait so that's incriminating anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that the overall message of the matrix is much more hopeful Hopeful? well it's american first of all (laughs) it's american but i think that they're they serve different purposes in terms of oh yeah the the matrix being a trans allegory knowing that now and looking back on it it's affirming of the idea that we even in our particular moment of time, we know what our identity is. And when like society tries to force an opposing idea of that identity on us, we bristle at it and we try to transcend. And so like when Neo is being told that he's Mr. Anderson, he pushes against it, but the major doesn't have a neo identity to hold on to. She no. doesn't even believe that she can't even know that she was real before. Well, that's the big question. Like all these characters, right? Like they start talking about like, Oh, we oh, like, I have memories of being human at some point, but they never show you them being human. Right. There's just an implication of memories that they have. And then when you start finding out that all these memories are fabricated, it starts to make you go. And that's the problem with this movie is like, it, doesn't necessarily fucking say like think about this but it leaves you with these ideas like well and you got to put them together a little bit yourself where you're like well they're talking about not really remembering what it was like to be human or whatever and then that other guy had his memories implanted and he was theoretically human that so does anything that any of these people remember or think is any of it real yeah are all these characters just fiction at that point 
And does right. it make them any less compelling because of that? Right? Like, are they? That's the and there's your question, say, right? Yeah, that's a good question, and I, that's exactly what I was going to talk about next. And I thought, like, because what if we had gotten like bits and pieces of what the major's memories were like, who does she think she was before? And I think that that gets covered in the anime series standalone complex, which is, which is great. Go. If you like, uh, if you like this, go watch that. Absolutely. Don't don't watch ghost in the shell Two innocence. It's not that good, but the uh, Eh. the series animation is good. Yeah. But standalone complex and, second gig are both great. So watch standalone complex, but yeah, does it make it like she's a more, more of a cipher type character that we can implant ourselves off of. And is more of just like the philosophical. Wait, what are you talking about? Paul, she's a woman. We can't do that. Oh, right. right, right. Uh, (laughs) You can't make, you can't make your focus character a female. Oh no. You can't lose half the audience. Oh wait, no, sorry. This is Japan. You could totally do that. This is not crazy North American horseshit. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. That was a joke. I was doing a joke. I was doing yeah. a bit. That's like a bit I was doing. Right. Yeah, like a totally... Norm McDonald bit. It's not as funny as Norm McDonald. Right. So, like the weird objectification of her body is one is a separate thing from the fact that, like, I get her kind of like, what if this is not all real yep. like what if like that seems real to me and so like the fact that we don't get her memories and her backstory actually i think makes our ability to imprint on her as viewers stronger yep. but at the same time makes her a slightly weaker character and i'm not saying that's a bad thing in terms of what the film is trying to accomplish by making yeah. us think about stuff but at the same time she doesn't really have like a strong character arc it's pretty thin but i guess that depends like if you're the writer of this like what would you rather i think having that ambiguity is more interesting as a filmmaker to me Mm. than having the definite answer of like we know where she came from and also that and the other thing yeah agreed because it causes us to have these questions right like you're sitting there now thinking about like all of those questions we've just asked like this three dozen more that are popping in your head as you go on along, right? Like you're always asking like, wait, what does this mean in terms of like, were they ever human? Like, does it matter that they were human or not? Like all these. Yeah. The movie attempts to answer that question a little bit with the, the through the glass darkly quote from St. Paul, where it's mm-hmm. like, I put away childish things and through a glass darkly, we see the truth because we see everything in hindsight. And it's the moment that we're from which we're looking that matters I think at least is what the the movie implies. I'm not like, does it successfully illustrate that point? I think it does. I think it does a pretty good job of that. Like, but at the same time, it's like, because there's this kind of weirdly convoluted, like merging of the puppet master and Kusanagi, which is kind of difficult to like, I don't know. It's very like sci-fi gobbledygook kind of nonsense. Well, I mean, yeah, it, especially because they don't really give you like you not you don't spend a ton of time with the merged character either, right? Like, yeah, what you get of the merged character still sounds like the major, not like the puppet master AI. Like, you don't right. get that voice from it at that point in the movie. Yeah, so like it's hard to kind of identify. It's almost like you need to do another movie at that point where you actually like are with that new merged character because like it's not the same character I guess at the end of the movie right like it's not right. the major anymore it's it's this merged like transcendent being I guess yeah quote unquote because we don't know at that point right it could just be a hodgepodge and mess of code at that point that mm-hmm. didn't work 
right? Yeah. Like, we don't know. And that's why so. it's it's only like using biblical quotes because that's the best information it can have to kind of like convey through language what is it's processing at the What's time. What's processing, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, I really like it. it. It's like, I thought that going back to this movie, I would kind of roll my eyes at the hoity-toity sci-fi gobbledygook. But I actually think that they did a pretty good job with dealing with its ideas, even though the Socratic dialogue delivery kind of wasn't the most exciting thing to watch on screen. No, no. I mean, that's probably the biggest takeaway from this movie is like, there's lots of ideas presented and there's like a couple really cool sequences, but it is a pretty like slow overall moving movie. And like, we can sit here and have that philosophical debate, I guess all night, but we've already done like an, an hour and 40 minutes. So yeah. like, why don't we get into like kind of wrapping it up a little bit Yeah, and like talking about the movie as a whole. And like, I don't know if I want to like give it a number or whatever, but maybe that's like final thoughts and like, yeah, is this something yeah. I still recommend? And I think absolutely, especially like as we're kind of like as we're heading back into the matrix, quote unquote, I always think it's interesting to kind of go back and like look at where, especially a big piece of media like the matrix that was like so genre defining and like threw so many huge ideas into the mainstream consciousness that like probably weren't really there before. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's getting to deal with the fact that it was and had always been trans allegory, which I find it very amusing that it's taken this long for everybody to fucking realize that. But all right, cool. Um, felt like it was pretty on the nose, especially once the two, the Wachowskis transitioned. They go back and look at this movie and be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all over this shit, isn't it? All right. Hmm. That makes sense. Cool. I mean, you're going to put what you're going through into your art eventually, and it's very much in their art. Yeah, at this point, so like for the, but like for Ghost in the Shell, uh, yeah, no, I absolutely recommend everybody go back and watch this. It's beautifully animated. The art is gorgeous. The soundtrack's still good. Even the English dub's not horrifically bad, which is like I never thought I would say about any of these things. I was raised in anime by Paul, who was the pickiest motherfucker alive when it comes to dubs and subs and stuff. So uh-huh. yeah. He would never let me watch. If I told him I watched it with dubs when we were growing up, he'd hit me. And like, even with the size differential between us, he would still just unabashedly hit me for mm-hmm. watching them with the dubs. And probably I got it eventually. Like I got there eventually. But yeah, no, yeah. Uh, this is absolutely like a movie I would recommend that people go and like check out. Yeah. Think about it. Get you know, get a little high. Let your brain kind of wander inside those ideas. Some of them are scary. Mm-hmm. Come back from those ones. But you know, yeah. think about them anyway because like. You know, it's a it's a weird bunch of philosophical ideas that it throws at you. And I think it's good every once in a while to kind of question that shit, regardless of where you are in your existence. And also, I think it's always good to know where people steal their ideas from. So like, (laughs) like at the very least, visually, this what else did I write? We were talking about this yesterday and I was like, what did I get out of this movie? Because it wasn't just like Metal Gear and The Matrix, right? It's like. Metal Gear and The Matrix and every other. I mean, we were just talking about uh, Near Automata. Oh yeah, Near Automata, uh, Blade Runner. Also, yeah, absolutely. There's tons of Blade Runner in here. A- Alien. I mean, Alien, like if, like yeah. Ellen Ripley and Kusanagi. Yeah, yeah, very much. Like there's there's some interesting like equivalents you could draw to there too. Absolutely. Like strong yeah. female, like very strong female protagonist. So probably almost like to the point where you could argue like was it written as a male initially, like it was in the case of Ripley. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. What else is in there? Resident Evil, Dead or Alive, all kinds of like weird stuff. 
even like comic book stuff like Transmetropolitan or we've talked about the Invisibles. Like, yeah, just it's it's crazy how much visually and like stylistically this movie influenced a ton of stuff that came after it. Mm-hmm. And but it like and usually when you do that, the movie itself doesn't hold up quite as well. But I was surprised that like 10 years or whatever removed from the last time I watched it, I still sat down. and was like, oh, this is actually really good, which is a kind of a similar experience to what we happened when we watched uh, Akira mm-hmm. last year or whatever. Where I was like, oh, shit, this is actually still like a really well-made piece of like movie and stuff. Yeah. So I enjoyed both of these films more. I'm glad I suggested this, actually. Yeah. Ah, I'm I, the one who suggested it. Yeah. Well, you were like, I was like, oh, well, maybe we could, like, I figured that we would do something anime, but the fact that you suggested this, I was like, I need an excuse to rewatch this movie, too. Well, I just, it felt timely given, like, we are going, like I said, like, like we're it going back to the Matrix, Matrix. stuff. Yeah. We're going back to the Matrix. And, like, I know Tim and I had talked about doing at least, like, two episodes, like, do the original movie and maybe do another episode about the sequels as opposed to, like, slogging through two episodes of the sequels, which Ugh, I just have no ew, particular ew. interest in doing. Well, so you can talk about the highway scene for half an hour and then like gloss over the rest of the garbage that's in the there. The only yeah. thing that I want to talk about is Monica Bellucci. Oh, yeah. Good call. I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm still a straight white male. So like Monica Bellucci and Carrie Ann Moss are like probably the highest level reasons for me to rewatch those fucking movies. Yeah, fair. Um, but uh, I need to pick yeah. a Smith too. Yeah, she's yeah. in there. Yeah. Anyway, closing thoughts, Paul. Closing thoughts is that... This movie is only 82 minutes and it manages oh, yeah. to do a lot in that runtime. Even if some parts are a little bit slow, they're still, they still serve the plot and serve the greater themes. And I think that it's a really easy sit, even though it's a big thinky kind of movie. Well, 82 minutes. I mean, like it manages to do in 82 minutes what uh, the Matrix sequels don't manage to do in almost 200 minutes. Yeah. You know, 200 plus minutes probably yeah. when you actually look at them. Yes. So I highly recommend, yeah, in, in terms of that, yeah. <laughs> go watch Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, this, this movie definitely holds up. You do have to get through a little bit of dumb political intrigue that doesn't matter and some of the the language in the movie and like the way that the dialogue is delivered is kind of clunky but overall the the effect like it's a very visual film and if you take the visual language and just like get the main idea of the dialogue then i think you'll have a good time I mean, I was going to say don't overthink it, but like, actually, that's part of the fun of the movie is yeah. like getting into the themes and overthinking it a little bit. Like I said, yeah. it's like it's one of the, it's like a get stoned and think about it kind of movie, yeah. which is like one of my favorite kinds of movies. And watch that fucking cool tank scene. And oh, and oh my God. Yeah. Yes. So cool. The tank scene is fucking dope as all get out. Like it is yeah. one of the best action sequences like almost ever put to film. Like I it's so it. fucking intense. It's so good looking that one. Yeah. Even, but almost, uh, there's the other one. There's, what is the other action sequence? That's in the, the chase episode? The chase scene? Yeah, the chase scene. Oh, fuck. At the beginning of the shit's... movie? Yeah. So good, man. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because she, when she's fighting the guy and kicking his ass when she's invisible and, yes. like, breaking his various limbs and twisting oh, them into... Oh, that fight's fucking awesome. Oh, it's so visceral, but it's so good. Yeah. It's so cool to watch. If you yeah. like entertaining violence, which I do. Then, yeah, we have problems. Okay. 82 minutes. Watch this movie, guys. Just do it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I guess that that's kind of unanimous, uh, Mark and Paul, which I mean, usually we're usually of one mind when it comes to this kind of recommendation. This kind anyway. of, yeah, but, this kind of stuff yeah. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's definitely something that like, I think both of us would recommend pretty heartily, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, going back where we're going. Mm-hmm. It is part of that influence. I think it's it's always good to look back at that kind of stuff or this kind of stuff and kind of know where we came from kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to geek cred for this week. And I only, usually I would like skip geek cred when it's like not Tim here, but like, I actually want to recommend that everybody go out and listen to the new fucking Mastodon song. Cause it shreds so goddamn hard. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a throwback to beast mountain. What's the, what's the mountain one? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> not Leviathan, but uh, the other fucking badass metal record from earlier. Uh, blood mountain that's it it's almost like a throwback to blood mountain kind of tracks just heavy as all get out the song is called pushing the tides it's from their forthcoming album hushed and grim sounds like a bunch of fucking metal to me so no i'm really enjoying it so far and uh, i'm looking forward to the album coming out in a couple weeks and i'm just horribly disappointed paul's still in korea because they're touring with opeth and it sounds like that would be a show we would have to go see together because we've got i've got deftones and gojira touring together post-covid or in the new covid world and then yeah opeth and mastodon are doing another tour like what's next the tesseract and periphery gonna tour together come on (laughs) come on do it do it yeah i'll be all on board either way yeah new mastodon pushing the ties just some slick fucking metal three and a half minutes you'll get through it real fast but yeah it's crunchy so go to town yeah my geek cred for this week is also music nice. so i sent this album to mark not sure if he would even try to listen to it but i listened to it once and i was pretty floored it's lingua ignota's sinners get ready um is that what it's called i believe that's the name of the when did you send me this because i don't remember this center get ready is uh okay so lingua ignota she is a multi-instrumentalist and i think i spell that for me lingua l-i-n-g-u-a ignota i-g-n-o-t-a n-o-t-a yeah okay okay and it's called center get ready so uh it is what i would describe as religious horror set to music and it is incredibly difficult to listen to in some ways because it's actually terrifying like it's scary music um it's a it's a lot about like just screaming against god for um like betrayal of the body and just so much it's the music itself is like intense and beautiful and Everything is all caps. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, it's spooky chamber music. Also long. Wow. These songs are like, none of them are shorter than five. Yeah. And yeah, it's, they're not easy to get through, but I think that they are beautiful in the way that like a Goya painting, like of the flagellant, the, the Catholic flagellant yeah. is beautiful. It's scary. It hits you in a visceral way. And it's not something that you want to put on in a like kind of lighthearted throwaway kind of way. It is actually like very sit down and listen to it. Kind of music. sit to you want to focus on it. You want to listen to the words, and then you want to hopefully like listen to something really upbeat afterwards because it's quite a lot. But it's who are you talking to? You know that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, it's one of my albums of the year so far. So, okay, I'm gonna like fans also like like liturgy and like mm-hmm. 
like the body. I'm like, okay, I know where we're going with this now. That makes a little bit of sense. Okay. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I don't remember you recommending this to me, but I'll give it a spin this weekend while I'm working. Yeah. It sounds like something I would like while I was, uh, drawing for i tried to listen to this while i was at work while there were like eight-year-old children running around and playing and i'm like this is too dissonant i can't do this and so i listened to it while i was walking around and working out and i'm like i could focus on the narrative of it which is creepy grim. and grim yeah. and uh, she was inspired by the christians in name only who are preaching the word of god but acting not christian-like and so oh, i mean so mo- most active christians today yeah exactly okay yeah, and so it's quite but it's quite i don't know the the perspective on it is really interesting and just give it a try i'm not saying that you're gonna like it it's really hard to listen to but i thought it was genius when i listened to it. i've only listened to it three times <laughs> and this is probably why it's best that it's not just you and I doing this podcast together. Cause like, yeah, yeah we'll spend like an hour talking about a philosophical anime. that's like 20 years old and then recommend a fucking Mastodon metal track and this and this. Yeah. There's like nothing mainstream or accessible about anything that we like anymore. Uh, when did we become weird, grouchy jazz guys? I don't basically? know. It happened. It's weird, eh? You know, like on, on most of the time, I'm listening to K-pop or listening to like my indie sad girls, which is a little bit more mainstream than this. But Lingua Ignota, I don't know. It just it like fair enough. There's one. There it's one of those artists where like she's in her own lane, same as Joanna Newsom for me, where she's in her own lane and she's doing her own thing. And when she's when something comes, you know, it's going to be an event. Okay. It might not be good, but in this case, it was, in my opinion. Fair also, Joanna Newsom was on Brooklyn Nine Nine finale. I haven't watched the last like four episodes. I got to get my shit together. I forgot that it was finaleing to this week, so I yeah. haven't watched Brooklyn Nine Nine yet. I I want to watch it though. I'm I'm gonna miss that show. Like as weird as it pro- like it was going back like this season after like George Floyd and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I still just love those characters. Yeah, like in a wholesome like sitcomy kind of way. So yeah. it's, I'm sad that, that show's leaving, but like I understand like it's time to go. Basically, it's time to go. So. Yeah. I'm going to miss Melissa Fumaro on my TV on a weekly basis, though, because mm. God bless the best. Anyway, anyway. cool. Well, that's a, that's a horrifying pair of recommendations for us. So, uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been episode 269 nice. of Dance Robot Dance. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about anything we talked about this week, you can hit us up on Facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast you know nobody's gonna reply to you i think tim's still banned <laughs> whatever Hit us up on twitter though twitter is a little bit easier uh, at drd underscore podcast you can hit me up at m underscore willette or on instagram at mt underscore willette paul thank you so much for filling in again it's always a pleasure to have my brother on the podcast and talking yeah. about esoteric horse shit with me it was fun. I like the. I, was, I really enjoyed shooting the shit about something like Ghost in the Shell because it's always fun to talk about that. So, yeah, that's always nice to like, you know, get out fucking, of the MCU for one. For well, I mean, there's two. that absolutely, <laughs> but it's also just nice to sometimes just kind of sit down and like have a conversation about like nothing almost. You know what I mean? Everything yeah. and nothing all at the same time, basically, yeah. like using pop culture to kind of expand your brain a little bit. You know what I mean? Like not just like what? reading the text fucking read the subtext a little it's what art is supposed to do most of the time or is some of the time i don't know you know what? i don't know anymore 
Denis Villeneuve was saying something about how bad the Marvel movies was, but I was just like, can you not just let me fucking have this? Because I'm also your audience too. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm both. <laughs> like I don't yeah. understand. Like you, why are you shitting in your own fucking audience's mouth? Because like I bet you, like ninety percent of the people that go see Dune and Saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine are also all avid fucking Marvel dorks. So I don't understand uh, why you would. I would have just shut my fucking mouth and kept moving. I mean, yeah. like, give me your Marvel money, <laughs> you fucking yeah. idiots. Yeah, right. right. Like, I mean, if he, but if he already has Dune as a franchise, I guess he doesn't need that that Disney coin until Disney subsumes whatever uh, entity is making Dune. This is th- so. like, listen, I'm I'm all. I think Dune's going to be fucking great. But like, if you're going to compare Dune's money making possibilities to the MCU, I think that's a delusional fucking thing. Yeah, right. I think. You know what I mean? I like I. I hear you, Tim. I understand that you're screaming about that in your car, wherever you are, listening to this in the future. But like, Dune's not going to make as much fucking money as Endgame, boys. <laughs> like, it's just not going to yeah, happen. Right. So, I mean, this, that's basically my point with that kind of thing. It's just like, let me have both. Can I not have both? I want. Well, I want my. I want my schlocky Shang Chi movie, and I want my schlocky Dune movie too. So, yeah. like, let me have both. I mean, yeah, we we're in a, a good time to be a, a sci-fi fantasy. Oh man, it's the best. Fan. Yeah, so best. like, so like, enjoy we, it. Stop yeah, bitching. Just, yeah, stop, stop, stop saying it's one or the other. Why, like, fucking? There, but there's always got to be. There's always got to be the uh, the pretentious ones who are like, Ooh. but that's usually us. That's usually us, and we're like, come on, man, why can't we have both? But the new I want pretent- Spider Man. And fucking Blade Runner, you know? Like, I want yeah. both. Give me yeah. both. Either way. That's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's about it. I don't know. I think I got it. I got through everything, right? Yeah, I think I think we're good. Cool. All right, guys. Yeah. We'll talk to you. Tim and I or somebody. Somebody will fucking talk to you next week. We don't know. Maybe we won't. Maybe this is the last episode. <gasps> yeah, probably, probably not. not. Probably not. <laughs> Tim's going to want to tell you about that Star Wars shit he did at Disney or whatever. And I'll have to, you know, I'll be there for that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do that shit, but I'm not during a pandemic. I don't know. Yeah, I'm all, I'm, like I'm all, like I like he's like, oh, I'm going to this thing, and I'm like, dude, you're going to Florida in the middle of this horse shit? Well, I'm vaccinated. I'm like, yeah, but like Delta. I mean, okay, Delta, and like also, do you want to be that close to that many Americans right now? Yeah. Well. Then again, anyway, I'm in Canada right now. I don't want to be that close to this many Canadians sometimes. So. Right. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.